Anyway, as I was saying, Manchester City, they were angry. Yeah, I mean, it also helps that Watford is terrible. Apparently, yeah. How did that happen so fast? Because they were good last year. Their defense has always been terrible. Okay. Well, they <laughs> everything was bad today. I turned it on, and it was like 12 minutes in, and it was uh, 4 nothing. I mean, the funniest thing was it mostly just said how bad Arsenal is. Mm. Yeah. Which is this one? This is... Hear it for Du Bois. You like it? I like it. I heard other people didn't like it so much, but I think it's tasty. It's different. Okay. Oat oat malt. Hmm. I was gonna say. I think it's tasty. It has a little different flavor to it. It does. You don't get too many oat beers. Anything let's do else? It. Anything else? Nope. Let's do it. Okay. Welcome to episode one hundred. What are we at? 108? No, it's 109. It's 109. I didn't change you that. You didn't change but look that. At, look at the top. It says 109. It does. That's why I, I saw the difference and I, I made the adjustment on the fly. So it's episode 109 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast. We're part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm Steve Garshinsky. Uh, across the table is Ryan Top. And on the West Coast, we're still adjusting to this. On the West Coast is JP Breen. JP, how is it out there? Because it's a swamp currently in. Uh, Wisconsin. We were watching uh, kind of a rainy game with mm-hmm. the Badgers. Yeah. I appreciate that we're having weather talk, but it is uh, <laughs> absolutely gorgeous here. Man. Oh, it, it is disgustingly humid and nasty here. We should point out before we get started that we are recording oddly on a Saturday afternoon here just because Sunday wasn't going to work for us uh, because we're going to the game. Steve and I are attending the game with his son. So, yeah, we'll all be at the game. Yeah. Ryan and I will be at the game. JP will be watching from afar. Um, and then you're actually going to what? Your second of three games tonight? Yeah, I'm going tonight. I will be at the, the Saturday night game as well. This is a fan appreciation night. I'm going to win me a car. Oh, tonight's fan appreciation night? Tonight is fan appreciation night. Aren't they giving anything away tomorrow? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Something. Oh, crap. Okay. You'll have to buy a 50-50 raffle ticket to get anything. It's a good thing I didn't tell my kid that uh, you could win a jersey or something. <laughs> He's been asking about Christian Yelich and like broken knees. Oh. So he is he is involved to that level then. He's aware. It's pretty good he for know, like six. He, he knows he, something happened, and I have to be like, you have to be at Christian Yelich's level to break your knee with a ball. I was gonna say he's either really concerned about Christian Yelich, or he hurt. He's finally like heard about people getting kneecapped, and is wondering if that's what actually happened to Christian Yelich as well. No, you you, it's, mostly, him, like, it's mostly uh, the Yelich. It's no, no, no. It's <laughs> I was gonna say it's then concerned you for to- Yelich. You need to be worried about what he's watching on YouTube Kids is what you need. Yeah, we don't do YouTube Kids. None of that. Because God knows what's going to pop up. <laughs> so they're for Prager University. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, YouTube. It's crazy. So, uh, hey, you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, hey, we could do YouTube. Should we do a YouTube channel, too? <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. I think people could watch this uh, glorious uh, webcast. Yeah, three bearded men. <laughs> it would be great. So we won't do that to you, though. Just keep downloading. Uh, and we want listener questions. So follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter. JP is Ghost Runner on second base. Ryan is RD Top, and I am Steve Garshinsky. 
Uh, finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash MKE tailgate our ball and glove patrons and above receive the monthly minor league extra podcast and the reporting is eligible weekly package preview, which got a little heat this week. Okay. We had, we had Homer, uh, the sports oh, radio schmuck I, I in caught town. Some of that. I think he, he does like Marquette games or something. So he does. Yeah. You know. Oh, Marquette. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot going for him, but he he decided to weigh in on on uh, Paul's take on John Elway because with the the Packer Bron- uh, Broncos matchup. Right, right, right. He did a little bit of a deeper dive into Elway's career, saying he's basically uh, Eli Banning esque. Made a lot of old folks angry. Yeah, I can see how that would uh, that would trigger some of them. It, well, yeah, there was a lot of triggering going on. And, you know, the thing is, I am here for anything that trashes the Broncos and John Elway in particular, having watched the 97 Super Bowl. That game was the literal worst. Yes. I had uh, a friend who was sitting on the couch, stared at the TV, did not move for 10 minutes after that game, and just, like, sat and stared. I think that's what most of the team did at the time. Yeah, it was that was truly horrific because what was it? It was like a 14 and a half point spread. I mean, it was something insane for a Super Bowl. It was garbage. So it's good to see Elway is a garbage GM at least. So that's fun. Yep. Anyways, uh, Milwaukee's tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know them for the great beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. It's that time of year again. Carbon 4's October Ales in stores fermented at near lager temperatures. This beer attempts to catch magic in a glass. It has soft toffee notes wrapped in a blanket of flavors of fat, fresh baked bread. I'll never get that sentence. No, but, you know, I did appreciate the flourish of the hand when you said magic, like you're that, that gif. <laughs> exactly. I did. I actually had a, a, like a, a rainbow and sparks yeah, fly you, out from my hands. You, and you said had to magic. have seen it. He really did. Uh, this beer is then accented with a pleasant, subtle, woodsy experience provided by a whiskey-soaked blend of French and American oak. And it does definitely have that oaky flavor that most of the other Oktoberfests don't have. Oak! So if you're, if you're bored of the traditional Mars and Oktoberfest, this one's got a little bit of a twist to it. Which could never be you, because that is your favorite. No, I have, I have so many in the refrigerator right now. Yeah, it's you just have a collection. It is. <laughs> I have a collection of Oktoberfests currently, so uh, pick up a six-pack today or visit the brewery on Kinsman Boulevard on Madison's east side. As always, get 20% off merch in the Carbon 4 web store with the promo code MKETailgate. Check out Carbon4.com for more information. Carbon 4, beer, brilliance. Okay, this week has been good for the brewers. Much like the week before and the week before that. Much like, yeah, the week before, the week before that, because Craig Tember is just their time to shine. Everybody um, in for Craig Tember. Yes. JP, are you excited? You're enjoying your Craig Tember? Well, look, I understand that everybody's excited about Craig Tember, but uh, I think it's been a great month for other people's sadness. <laughs> been good. It's there's, been good. There's been a lot of sadness south of uh, Milwaukee right now, which is always know, fun ba- to see as well. Basically, Milwaukee win and then just sit back and see who loses that day. Exactly. You know, we were okay. So we're we're watching the Cubs and Cardinals currently battle this weekend. Mm-hmm. And Ryan and I, JP, if you want to weigh in on this, Ryan and I were debating the other day what is best for the Brewers at this point. Because I took the side that it's better for the Cardinals to sweep, knock the Cubs out, and the Brewers guarantee a playoff spot. Ryan was like, uh, "No, I want to see them split, and the Brewers have a chance for the division." No, I think you clearly want the Cubs to just lose. Hmm. 
Hmm. I think you're both wrong, and not just no, for the enjoyment no, of the Cubs losing. No, no, no it, because there's two things. Uh, number one, I know that Ryan takes that because he's absolutely terrified of the playing game, and therefore will want like any path that's 100 percent possible. I do wonder if you'd actually rather miss the playoffs than go to the wild card game. No, I no, 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 no. I do not want the playing game though because. I, I want a division series. I want to, like, definitely have home games. Like, I, I want a division series. Uh, you, could also cheer for, you could also cheer for the Brewers to, like, get a home game in the wild card. But, but the other thing is, uh, and the more serious point, the one that I'm not just, like, creating a straw man for Brian to get mad. Um, the, the other one is that the only way that a split actually works is that you assume that the Brewers are going to continue to like kind of win at this pace throughout the rest of the the year. And I think that that's something that we can't necessarily guarantee that there is something that, uh, to, to be frank, um, there are some things that haven't really been good this September that I think a lot of wins have just kind of papered over the cracks. You mean the offense? Well, yeah. And very specific parts of the offense for sure. And the Brewers need to be able to get as much cushion as they can, because uh, I, I still do not think that they're as good of a team as the Cubs. Um, and they need to be able to get as many games as they can because uh, I think that it still could be a struggle going down the stretch. The The fortunate part for the Brewers is that, you know, they still play the Pirates who like look like they couldn't give less of a shit about playing baseball at the moment. And then um, I mean, can you blame them, though, like with what their second half has been like and just you know, the fighting in the clubhouse, their all-star closer now being, you know, arrested and probably going to be doing serious jail time for the rest of his life. Like, yeah, the, the child sex crimes or whatever he's got going on. That it's is It's like an episode of SVU. That is, yeah, that is it's some pretty, shit going down. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I read uh, more about that than it's disgusting. Um, well, he apparently solicited her at the ballpark, which is like the Pirates are yeah. going to get in. I mean, that puts them in the crosshairs. So... Uh, I. I don't think they'll get in trouble for that, but um, uh, he, it's like to what he is actually admitted to is pretty gross. Um, so, but anyway, uh, aside from that, what I mean is like there are actual players on that team who need to be trying to, you know, have a big league career next year. And there are a lot of young players on that team that still should be. So like, yeah, I do blame them for not being able to look like they care. Uh, and I would imagine that if Clint Hurdle is back next year, I would be floored. Oh, Hurdle's Hurdle's a dead man. The question is whether or not Neil Huntington is gone. Well, we were saying it was the Maka rule, where it turns into a toxic uh, clubhouse, and you got to get rid of the guy. Yeah, I mean they've been they've been on a downward spiral for a while, and like that clearly, when you have guys like getting hurt, beating each other up in the locker room, though I guess that apparently did happen with the Brewers in like 2011, 12, somewhere in there too. So, you know. Is that how Jonathan Lucroy broke his hand? That's that's the rumor. Yeah, that's always been the legend. Unconfirmed legend was that he was punching somebody. It wasn't just suitcase and gravity. Yeah, believe it or not, that was apparently a story. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Brewers uh, take three or four from the Padres. Uh, Davies had a solid start to kick off the series. It's good to see. He did. He did, and the Padres' offense didn't really do much in that series. It was kind of they were also dead, <laughs> so he he had the advantage of that. But he looked pretty good in that game. I mean, they have younger players though for the Padres. They do, they do. Though, so I mean, Tatis they're, they're being still, out is like it yeah, does that's matter. Big. But they are still 
unlike the Pirates, who have totally given up, I mean, the Padres, at least, you know, some of the younger guys will try. I mean, as JP was pointing out, really, you know, some of the, the younger Pirates guys should be trying a little harder, too. You, you know, other than Brian Reynolds, who does continue to hit well. Yeah. Uh, second game, uh, Woodruff had the start. What did he go? Two innings, was it? It was like a Woodruff-Geo kind of piggyback start. He went two and struck out four. I think he walked one, perhaps. It was, yeah, I think he walked one. He looked very good. The stuff was sharp. The velocity was there. There was no question about that. He seemed to come out of it the next day in good shape. I, I only heard good mm, things. He was he was complaining of some soreness, I think. Oh, was Wasn't he? it shoulder soreness, JP? I'm not, a, I'm not aware of that. Yeah, so he did have some soreness, but it wasn't anything that made anybody like overly concerned. Yeah, they did TBA Sunday's game for a while, though now it is officially listed as a Woodruff start. So I thought that they were actually potentially doing that to maybe set Woodruff up for down the stretch, but apparently not. He's actually going to start on Sunday. So JP, do you think we could continue to see Woodruff uh, Geo tandem starts in the short term at least? Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially doing a righty-lefty tandem, because then it's difficult to kind of determine how you actually want to set up your lineup against such a such a tandem. Uh, Woodruff, I mean, if he's going to throw eight, you know, 98, 99 miles an hour when he's coming out for a couple of innings, I think we'll we'll make do with that the best we can. They need to get him one at bat at least, too, correct? That's what I'm saying, especially against a lefty. Yeah, you do need to get that bat going. Swing that lumber. <laughs> I was like, we need to, like, late game. I don't want him to be sore because I do think we need late game pinch hit appearances for Brandon Woodruff. Yeah. I Did you guys know he hit a home run off of Clayton Kershaw last season in the playoffs? Um, I was not in my seats at that moment. I had gone to the bar to get a beer, and so we were standing at the bar when that happened. I was actually in the loge level on that side. So Were you at that game? Yeah. I didn't I even realize you were at that game. Okay. Yeah. yeah we, were, got, we were in the upper deck. I got, I got late tickets for that game, so it was... Calling a neighbor up like, hey, you're close enough. Get in the car. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to the game. Um, Brewers lost uh, two to one. Uh, the offense couldn't get anything going for the third game, um, which, again, that's that's actually a little bit of the theme right now is the offense isn't clicking that well at the moment. It doesn't help. You have Perez. You have Spangenberg. You have Arcia. Those are the guys that are getting a lot of uh, plate appearances. And even Kesson Hero, when he plays – is not playing full games at the moment. They're managing how many innings he's getting. They are trying to get him out and pinch running with him um, to just save that leg and ease him back in. But he is providing, I mean, he already has a home run, so he is providing some pop with the bat, and that's you know sorely needed for them to extend that lineup because their lineup before he came back had gotten to be pretty short. I mean, they were kind of looking like, last year's team and even a little bit worse in terms of because they didn't have Christian Yelich anchoring down that those first five spots um, where the lineup got very short and so here coming back definitely does lengthen it and give them another bat with some serious pop but you do have to manage his workloads so. yeah JP is hitting dingers the best way to manage a sore hamstring I think if you can trot around the bases you should do that if you can. Yeah, I think he's been he's actually been one of the better hitters uh, over the course of September, which is good because that means Keston here is there and being able to contribute. It's it's bad because like nobody else is really doing well. Um, Yasmani Grandal is, has been able to get on base a bunch. He's been able to hit for some power, which has been good. Trent Grisham has been decent. Uh, Mustakas has had 
I, I think four home runs in, in September and he's looked pretty good, but yeah, I mean that back half of the back half of the lineup is not good. But they have been getting contributions from them. I mean, we've had games where Hernan Perez yeah, hits a dinger, it, or Spangenberg's. We've had well, some Spanj bombs. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But it has uh, been it has been a hundred percent. Just yes, it has been at the exact right time, which I'm not a hundred percent sure that's sustainable. Right? Like, yes, that does explain why they've won games in the past. But I'm much more concerned about how this looks for the last two month, two weeks of the season, or you know, ten days or whatever, because uh, Spangenberg is is kind of leading the charge. If you want to say that amongst the contingent, and he is hitting uh, 268 with a 305 on base percentage, and Yeesh. then, and then Aaron Perez in September is hitting a buck 59 with a buck 78 on base percentage. Uh, Manny Pena is hitting 125. Uh, you got Travis Shaw hitting uh, .045. Uh, oh, you got Jesus. Orlando Warriors. How did he get got- worse for Shaw? How did he get worse? He hit a dinger though. I was well, there. I understand that he can run into one still. You've but... got uh, Orlando Arcia hitting a buck fifty six with a buck eighty eight on, on base percentage and a slugging percentage of two hundred in September. So, yeah, I mean, yes, they have contributed at the exact right times, and that has been great. But all of them are still really, really struggling this month, even though the the numbers have been good in terms of wins and losses. Well, they've also had some runs where like they've put up a crooked number because the bases were loaded for the entire inning, but they haven't been putting up like massive run totals. No, well, I mean, they put up five, three. You, well, but one, you get to the back five, end of that lineup and ten. you're kind of like, well, you know, hopefully Manny Pena can you know, just take a ball off the shoulder and somebody gets to trot in. Which he did. <laughs> yes, that's why I bring that up. But you don't well, go up there thinking like, oh, Manny Pena is going to drive in a couple runs with a hit. No. Yeah. I mean, they've also had a couple of like bad errors uh, that have allowed them to score some runs at key times too. You've gotten a couple of walks where you could walk in a run. So yeah, I mean, they're doing some stuff on the fringes, um, but the real story has just been the fact that their pitching staff has been able to carry them. And the pitching has been really good, pretty much up and down. Well, that was they had a good example of that in the final uh, Padres game. Lyles uh, had nine strikeouts in four and two-thirds innings. You also had Freddie, Pomerantz, Black, Hater all came in and basically shut that game down. They had a five-to-one win in that one. So, yeah. I mean, is that the recipe for success right now? Score, score first, score early, get enough innings out of your starter, and then basically you just run through a bunch of high-velocity relievers. Got to yeah. be. Yep. It is. It's get the K's like and they did. They were getting a ton of strikeouts from those guys. And Pomerantz has been amazing. Freddie's been good his last few times out. Um, Haters. He had that one outing. What was it in uh, last Sunday? We didn't talk about that. But after we finished recording, the Brewers did win that game on the, the Ryan Braun Grand Slam. Hater did give up a two run shot, but he that was like his fourth day pitching in uh in five days, fourth game in five days. So you kind of take a little bit of a grain of salt with that. And it's also been interesting that like with uh, Pomerantz and Hader are sort of being used almost like opposite each other at this point. They haven't pitched too much in the same game. They seem to be using them a bit as like a, okay, if, if Hater's not available this day, then it's going to be kind of a Pomerantz will be the the centerpiece of the bullpen day. And he's been amazing. He's been really, really good. So he's missing a ton of bats. Which yeah, it's been, I would say it's been 
right now, if you look at what's happening in September, the Brewers have the second best ERA of anyone in baseball. Only the Cardinals have actually pitched better in September. Uh, Cardinals, as a team, have a 278 ERA. The Brewers are at 311. The the, I mean, the caveat is that the Brewers are pitching over their head in, in September again. I mean, if you look at, yeah, they've been able to definitely get some strikeouts. Um, you know, the strikeout rate has been kind of sky high because they've been able to rely so much on the bullpen because they have so many arms that they've been able to bring up that they can just cycle through them, which is which is great. And it's been one of the key reasons why they've been so good. But at the same time, like their batting average on balls in play. Their batting average on balls in play is by far the lowest in baseball in September as well. Um, so right now, and it's not surprising to say that a team is like, you know, 10 games over or 12 games over 500 in September, like whatever the number is, is riding their luck in pretty much every single way that you can imagine. Uh, and fortunately for the Brewers, you can't take that away from them. So the the key is going to be able to take advantage of it now that you got a couple game lead on the Cubs and maybe more if you can get by the lowly Pirates. So well, they've been facing flawed teams too. That and that yeah. helps. Like you're facing not good teams, and so it and they've have played well. They've played well against good teams during the season. They have played well so against they, good teams. They've earned the ability to when they get to this part of the season to say like, no, we beat a lot of good teams, and eventually you get a part of the schedule well, that goes like they this. had that run in June where we were like, oh, they're going to make hay now because they face all these bad teams and it just was still a slog like i think they were even like, it was below 500 it was the giants hot streak the marlins had a little bit of a run yeah uh, yeah all that happened kind of at once and it was like this is these are the teams they should beat and it just well didn't and but then it turned out that in september and we didn't necessarily know this going in but like the season ended the rockies cratered so they went from being a last series of the year that you went oh that could be really interesting to being nope they're going to be packed in at that point too uh, so you had the schedule become charm and soft for the last three weeks of the season, and you didn't know. Hey, what. they should pay for that. They should pay for that. <laughs> um, but they did have that, and you didn't necessarily know that was coming six months ago when you looked at the schedule. But now it's it's pretty apparent that, yeah, they did finish with one of their softest parts of the year. And, hey, that's turns out when they're going on their big run. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess a real quick thought experiment. Were, were Pomerantz and Black worth uh, Riso Dubon, who's currently putting up an 800 OPS in, in San Francisco? Considering where the Brewers are soft in their, their yeah. lineup. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that I think I mentioned it last week as well. I mean, Dubon is what the team needs right now, but at the same time, Pomerantz is absolutely anchoring the bullpen. on. He's exactly what they need right now outside of Hater. So on one hand... And, you know, it's not a coincidence, I think, that like Black isn't necessarily seeing the highest leverage of innings right now because his, his performance has been a little bit over his head. Um, but Pomeranz has been has been huge. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, like having Dubon right now, putting an 800 OPS up and at shortstop would also be huge. So it's a little bit kind of take it or leave it at the moment. Of course, to me, that also means that like Dubon could have been the answer at shortstop next year instead of us kind of scrambling around with what we're going to be doing at shortstop next year. But uh, if they can retain Pomeranz and he's as good next year as he is this year, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I actually brought that up on Twitter this week, and I was wondering what you guys thought of that. Uh, what will it take to bring Drew Pomeranz back? Because we've seen guys getting a little bit more money for showing things the way Pomerantz says where he's shown that like oh hey he moved into the bullpen and he seems to be a different guy and whereas teams in the past maybe would have been a little less trustful of that 
teams are being a little bit more aggressive about things like that now. Do you think he could be brought back for, I don't know, two years, 12 million? Does that get it done or is it going to require more than that, which would probably put it kind of out of the Brewers reach? I don't know. Is 212 out of reach for them? No. Or more than 212 out of reach? I mean, because it depends where they want to spend their money. Because we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but going into the next offseason, people are going to want them to spend at third base. They're going to want them to spend a catcher. They're probably going to want a middle infielder, and they're going to want a starting pitcher. Mm -hmm. And probably a bullpen piece. Well, but the thing is, instead of spending all all of that, you could, quote-unquote, overspend on a bullpen piece. And I think, you know, we're seeing that if a bullpen's managed correctly— you know, you can get just as much value out of that as a, you know, crummy back end starter that's just going to give you hopefully close to 200 innings. Yeah. I mean, they probably don't go after the kind of starter that uh, people would like to see them get, you know, a name starter. No, it's going to, you know, it, it might be Jordan Lyles. <laughs> you have Lyles, it, you know, it could, it'll be a Chassin type where you kind of go, well, it's, it's an arm. Right. Where we get the JP reaction of, eh. Wasn't that the, the basic reaction when they signed Chassin was like, eh, he, okay, he signed. All right. And I thought it was extremely boring. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Over two years, it played out to be kind of boring overall, even though last they got what they needed last year, and then this year was closer to a dumpster fire. I mean, he was bad. <laughs> he was bad. He was bad, and he was injured. Right. Which doesn't help. I mean, when a guy gets hurt, you're kind of like, well, he wasn't pitching well, and then he got hurt, so he never had like the number of innings to show you he could get back on track. Right. And he, he's shown he didn't to be make a, a start after July. He, so. had, he had shown to be a better pitcher year to year than what he was this season. Yes, but there was also some like signs in his peripheral numbers and in like his batted ball profile. Like, nope, he was he had actually really degraded as a pitcher from last year to this year and wasn't the same guy. And I think that made getting rid of him a lot easier than what it might have been otherwise. Yeah. Uh, the Brewers took the opener from the Pirates. It was ten nothing or ten to one. So um, you know the game was in hand. There wasn't any you know gnashing of teeth or anything like that as the game went on, hoping that they'd hold on. It, it was crazy. They got a shot of Chase Anderson in the dugout. I think after the the fifth inning, where he thought he was done, and then council let him go out for the sixth <laughs> chase is sort of uh he's been conditioned at this point to just expect to be done after the fifth yeah he was, J- he was good in the sixth too it yeah jp no what was it like to watch a, a pitcher pitch through the sixth inning well i think it helped the fact that they were basically like look i don't even let's not waste the bullpen today just send send him out get him get him through another inning or two let's save some arms let's think about tomorrow so at that point the game wasn't a complete travesty like it was what it was, five it was, runs five nothing it was five nothing and the pirates looked awful like yes the the yes the pirates looked really bad but the score wasn't like no i this mean game's I'm not, over no i'm not saying that they like made a decision to throw out a you know aaron Perez to go pitch <laughs> they just decided to like put chase anderson out for next year inning because they had the cushion sure um and yeah he he did look really good he uh again I think he struck out four and walked one, if memory serves. He has been a solid contributor to the rotation and has really been maybe their most valuable guy throughout the year in terms of, as a starter, in terms of he's made basically every start every time through. And well, once they allowed him to make starts. Right. It was 
I, but that was like three weeks in, two or three weeks in. It was like two or three turns through the rotation, and he was in. Uh, and he just has gone out and, for the most part, been a guy who kept the team in the game most nights. He had that one big blow up. What was that against the uh, Nationals? But other than like that one game, he has basically kept the team in games, start in, start out. And for a guy that's making, you well, know, he's five, been, six, seven million dollars a year, like that's great. He's been what a four inning ish starter. Uh, he's had no. I mean, he's gone deeper than that. Um, well, I know that uh, he has gone deeper, but basically, you see, Chase Anderson is going to make a start. You think, well, you know, he can give you four good innings. Yeah, but I'm, you hope to get into the fifth or sixth. I, I, I guess. Not that it really matters because it doesn't really detract from the point that you're trying to. But I, I'd say Davies has been more valuable than than Chase Anderson has been. Yeah, I, I would say Davies had some real periods of of where he became very, very hittable. Uh, yeah, he's made 29 starts this year, has 150 innings by, which is almost 20 more than what Chase Anderson has, and his ERA is about you know half a run lower. That's I like fair. that. Davies has had portion of this of the season where he's been hittable like hello this is zach davies that no and that is the what, profile. that's what happens you know he's gonna yeah, have I mean, time zach, Dav- zach davies is what he is and i mean it's a i'm a little bit like annoyed because last year i kind of was like oh zach davies will be a guy who throws 180 innings you know has like a 360 era and we all just kind of like move on and think that you know he's not all that good because he gets like shelled a few times zach davies this year is going to be right on track he's a 370 era he's got 29 starts 150, you know, innings pitch. He's going to be up near 160, 170, and he's been solid. He's like ever. He's exactly what you want to, you know, go out and be your fourth starter. Yeah, and let's be fair. Nobody is getting to 180, 200 innings anymore. Like it is. If you look around at Baseball Reference, guy, I suggest just go and look at Baseball Reference pages no, and see nobody is getting to like 200 innings anymore. It's like you have to be an elite, elite, elite pitcher to make even like 180, let alone yeah. 200. I was going to say, because part of the reason is I think there is much more willingness to put somebody on the, the IL um, and just kind of cycle through guys, which is, I think, one of the reasons why. But they they are being pulled far more but i was just laughing because i was like i was just thinking of garrett cole and how good he's been and just like how how he's gonna eclipse 200 innings by so much and has just been unbelievable this year yeah he's already over 300 strikeouts too right yeah he is he's he's been it is there any i mean is there a chance that justin verlander is gonna take the cy young from him i yeah i do think so i think that verlander has some narrative points going for him. He has a wife that'll complain about it on Twitter. <laughs> he does have a wife that will complain about it on Twitter. That is true. Um, okay, so what was the, the playoffs percentage going into Saturday's game? What were we at? Like uh, 78% on... Fangraphs has been the most conservative mm-hmm. of the Brewers because unlike Pakota, who always kind of pushed them ahead of the Cubs, um, they're at 76.2% going into the game on Saturday uh, to make the playoffs. And what was Pakoda at? It's got Were they in the 90s? It's higher. Well, I, was, I say ESPN, I think, was only about like 75% or so. Yeah, and baseball reference had a I don't, I don't know who well. that is. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'll have to check out that 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 website. What what were those letters again? Yeah. ESPN? Are they a dot net? Uh, Espen has them at 70, uh, 
76.2%. Who does the numbers for ESPN? I would assume I would assume stats. I don't know. They might have like they might have it internal now. I'm not sure. Okay. I didn't know if they had somebody that was running their numbers specifically um cuz who Oh, I'm blanking on his name. I can see who did it. Mark Simon? No, who uh who does zips? Zimborski. Oh, that's right, Dan. Yeah, Dan Zimborski had, does that. He had been running the numbers. He's not at ESPN for, anymore, but he had been for a little bit. Maybe, yeah, he might have been, and maybe they they kept that. Uh, baseball Prospectus has them at eighty two point one percent going into play on Saturday. Okay, so uh, if we want to get ahead of ourselves, we have a question from, from PJ Wessels. He asks, uh, "Who's your wild card play in game starter? Are you planning slash expecting a bullpen game?" Which it, it's kind of an odd question because I think even with starters, every game for the Brewers is kind of a bullpen game, right? Yeah, say so it's whoever whoever's lined up to go that day. You just go and you expect to have a bullpen game as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they will go with a quick hook on whoever it is that starts. I think at this point, it'd be interesting to see how they try to line up Brandon Woodruff to do it because I think he is still your best bet. He is the best starting pitcher that they have in terms of stuff in terms of ability so i could see them wanting to do that i guess if it's not woodruff to me it's lyles that would get the first the first outs the first out getter <laughs> what did council call him the initial out getter initial out getter yeah like i could see it being lyles honestly any of the guys i could kind of see it making sense and and being fine but just know they're going to have a short leash on anybody who's in there you know, even Woodruff, I think they're going to have a fairly short leash and say, you know, if you're not locating your spots, if the stuff doesn't look great, if guys are just hitting it, like they're just not going to let the guy stay out there. So. But like we were talking about before um, we started recording, uh, the play, the extra playoff game, if they have that, or play in game, uh, that first wild card game, they get to set their lineup for or set the roster for each of those. Right. So if there's a game 163, like if they tie for the division, like last year, if they tied for the division, they would get to keep their, you know, (laughs) many millions of players that they have on their roster right now to play in game 163. And then for the wildcard game, you set it completely apart from any other game. So what a team will do is they'll put in like a starter, maybe two starters in case they want to have somebody to, you know, eat innings in the event of a long game. And then everybody else's bullpen guys that you had up in September. I was going to say the point being, as long as it's a a play playoff game, you know, the divisional playoff game or the actual wild card playoff game, everything's kind of a bullpen game. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I will say that if things kind of keep trending how they are currently trending, and they end up going into a, a wild card game against the Nationals, the Nationals have been one of the best teams in all of baseball against lefties this year. So I would not expect them to see somebody like Geo. Uh, they would probably try to make sure that their initial, you know, if, if it's Woodruff going for two or if they're going to go, you know, Lyles for two or three or just whoever lines up, they'll try to go for a righty, I think. I don't think guys like Pomeranz and, and Hayter, they'll be too worried about kind of sending out against anybody. But in general, I think what they will do is make sure that they avoid lefties if they do face the Nationals just because they've been so good against them this year. Yeah, so like maybe don't expect to see Suter in that sort of matchup. Uh, we have a question from Brett Valentine. He asks, can we quant- quantify the value of wins uh, attributed to the manager like a manager war? 
because obviously it's Craig Timber, and we see Craig working his magic all month long. I mean, we can't. We cannot because it is still the players performing, and they have to be allowed to go out on the field and either you know, succeed or fail, and so you can't really attribute it to that. I think what you can look at with managers is you have to kind of watch them on a consistent basis and look at how often they are making, you know, optimal moves. And when you look at council, it is a very high percentage. He's, he just makes a lot of smart moves where you go, okay, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense that you would, you would do that in that situation. And the way that they set up their bullpen and the way he's willing to pull guys early and then shift through different guys and get guys in, for a certain situation he's used guys like jay jackson and ray black who aren't necessarily like the best pitchers in the world he's used them in fairly high leverage at various points when the matchup is favorable and when it's kind of a limited okay you're going to come in and get these two outs and it's maybe it's the bottom of the order and we're going to focus on just this he's used guys and it's been successful and i think to me that's a hallmark of a good manager uh I mean, I will say no, there is no way to quantify it, um, first of all, but I I don't see anything really all that, but I, I just, I guess I disagree with, with Ryan in terms of just how much this is attributable to um, to counsel. I, I have come around to thinking about September and the amount of depth that they've been able to keep as, as kind of a long-term plan that they have used to optimize September. Um I think there's probably a little bit more to that. I think looking at a lot of the numbers in terms of what they've been able to do in September this month, a lot of it is easy schedule. A lot of it is luck. Um, a lot of it is getting, you know, Spangenberg to get like, you know, his one hit that he's going to get in three games at the exact right time. Um, and and there's not like a lot that you can do about that. I do think that, that Stearns and... Stearns deserves a lot of uh, credit for being able to amass the amount of depth that he's got to, to get somebody like Tyler Austin in, you know, in, in August looking ahead to September. And he's been really good in September. He's been a, a, a really big addition. And Craig Council being able to to keep everybody happy and engaged and understanding that they're going to be needed in key spots and to not necessarily be worried about the fact that they're going to get pulled and the fact that, you know, last year we were able to see that Craig that uh that chase anderson was not even like he wasn't even on one of the playoff rosters um and to be able to kind of bring him in and bet him back into the team again and make him somebody that is completely relied upon all year and just to keep everybody engaged and on board i think is a huge feather in in craig council's cap um i i don't think there's anything really special he's doing with bullpen like at all I think a lot of what he's been doing in terms of roster management, a lot of it can be managed from above as well in terms of uh, the analytics side kind of telling uh, Council what he should be doing. And there's so much synergy between the analytics side and what, what Craig Council is doing that they work together and it's kind of difficult to tell, you know, who is who is kind of like leading what. But I think in terms of, and this is something that I've said kind of about Council for however long he's been with the Brewers, his soft skills are incredible. And his soft skills to be able to manage a team like the Brewers and the way that they kind of manage flexible pitching roles and being able to send somebody like to be able to DFA Aaron Perez and keep him on the roster and then being able to move him back 
uh, and give him meaningful at bats and just kind of keeping him engaged in the entire time, the entire situation is, is great too. So I've been really impressed with, with situations like that. Yeah. We talked about this before and you really could say that like Craig Tember should really be Stern's Tember because he's the one that put together the roster that allows this to kind of work where you have an incredibly deep bench of people to call on. So that does really, you know, he deserves credit for this as much, if not more, than oh, sure. Council does. But there's something to be said for a manager that actually puts a plan into action. Because there are a lot of managers who will push back against that. They feel like, I'm managing the clubhouse. 90 I know miles south. Yeah, 90 miles south I, of here. I, that, okay. So clearly that's when we should get worried if Craig Council starts bringing a glass of wine to his post-game press conferences. <laughs> It's time to cut bait. <laughs> yeah, we've we've lost the Craig we love for Craig Timber. He's, so he's gone uptown. Or? Yeah, so that's that's what we're kind of waiting for. If he, I guess, is there anything we should we should look forward? Is there any new uh, uh, drink or libation that we should worry about for being a post game press probably, conference uh, warning sign? Probably White Claw, right? White Claw. <laughs> Claws out for October, <laughs> dude. If he if he brings a white claw out now, he's manager for life. That would just be awesome. You saw, you saw the the recent athletic piece about uh, about the Wisconsin Badgers and the fact that like that uh, Paul Chris has uh, six cans of Mount, Diet yes. Mountain Dew in his in his uh, his hotel. Like they stay in the hotel for one night, and he has it like mandatory that he has extra snacks and six Diet Mountain Dews in there the whole time. So look. If he's going to start bringing Diet Mountain Dews out, that's just Wisconsin, baby. I mean, I you know Wisconsin. that's a different generation that they're still drinking like Mountain Dews like that because I think everybody who's younger has moved on to whatever your rock inter- star, yeah, all crazy your, crap, all your energy but, drinks, but you know, muscle. but you know that he is still a hundred percent America's dad because it's now diet. Yes, exactly. Because he still needs to make sure that he knows he probably shouldn't be drinking it. So he doesn't want to get. He doesn't want to get type two diabetes. Makes him just a, feel a little bit better, but and you know the aspartame. <laughs> that's that's not any good either. <laughs> so as long as Craig isn't drinking in his post game press conference, we'll we'll celebrate Craig Tember and the uh, synergy between him and the front office. I think well, that's it, kind of what we can look for. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say like that was been. I think I'm not as worried about that breaking as I'm. I'm not saying that you're you know suggesting he's gonna go all Joe Madden, but I think the fact that basically the Brewers picked council and had basically an entire year kind of running up and being like, we're, we're preparing you for this. This is going to be what it is. You're going to be our guy. We're going to do it in this entire way. I think that they have been able to set up a situation. Now, if, if somebody like Stearns end, ends up going elsewhere, right. And he get he takes a GM opportunity elsewhere and they bring in another GM, then maybe you might see some, some pushback. I, I don't necessarily know if this is something where council just hundred percent believes in what Stearns is trying to do. And they've been able to work together for so long. And, you know, even when, when Melvin was there, they kind of just like ran up this a- analytics department and it was pretty clear what they wanted to do as, as an organization. I'd be interested to see what council would do with somebody else at the helm. I'm not saying not, I'm not hoping for David Stearns to go elsewhere, but It'd be really interesting to see what he would be able to do. I think the Ananasio boys have a large like uh, social network that they'll be able to draw from from their uh, Ivy League schools, right? It's, it's a good one. No, it's an, you old, it's an old joke. It's a callback. But it is. Yeah. But well, I mean, honestly, that is. Don't they have a friend? They have a friend that's in the front office that's running numbers. For a them. guy that was yeah that they 
he got the job because he was friends with the Antonazio boys, but I think that was his like in, but this guy would have gotten a job with somebody doing something because he was competent and like sure. he helped build up their their database before Stearns even got there. Like they were working on building up their whatever they, they use as whatever their diamond vision is or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Yeah. Their ground control. What that's Houston's one is ground control. The Indians is diamond. Oh, vision. stop. Is it? Yes. Is it ground control? Right, because that's oh, what that got was the hacked. Whole, yeah, that was what was hacked. Yeah, ground control got hacked. Yeah, yeah. the The guy should have put his password as Major Tom. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out in the future. But I, I mean, unless Boston, I think, goes fishing for something. Yeah, though. Looking at this, we, are we worried about, about, this about with somebody? I'm not because you have to get a promotion. For for somebody to be able to like take a guy from you, you have to get a promotion from your current job. David Stearns last year got the promotion to president of baseball operations. He is the president of baseball operations slash GM. So they can't Boston can't offer him a promotion and he's under contract. So they can't actually take him away. Uh, Mark Adonazio would have to agree to let him go. And he didn't even allow him to interview with uh, San Francisco last year when they ended up hiring Farhan Zaidi instead because he knew he was going to be promoting him and he knew that was coming. So I, I'm not really worried about it at all. I don't think it's a thing that is at all likely Well, to and who was on the front office or who's in the front office that was on? Oh, God, whose list was it? It's like Rosenthal or somebody. No, no, no. It was yeah, it was somebody else. It was one of the Boston beat writers, and it was Matt Arnold was on that okay. list. Matt Arnold was listed as a potential guy, and that I could see happening. Matt Arnold is probably going to move up and out of the Brewers at some point because. But he was a deeper name for the the Red Sox. A little bit say, of a deeper name, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine. I could see Matt Arnold getting a job somewhere, and I think it'd probably be deserved to get a job somewhere. I I think it'd be really tough for him to go straight to Boston. Um, I think that Boston would have to miss on some other people. I also think Boston could just make up a position and call it uh, a promotion and go. Ha- and, like, that's literally what the Brewers did is they made up a position and then gave David Stearns. Like, well, no, this- Doug Melvin had that position before. David it was made Stearns. up. It w- they made it up. Yeah. But I mean, like president of baseball operations is a thing that other teams use too. It's what Theo is. Yes. Everybody in baseball came up with a new title to be able to then, like, it's basically what they did with Ray Montgomery as well. They made up a title to give somebody a promotion and say, now you're overseeing absolutely everything. Oh, yeah, like executive VP of scouting or whatever Montgomery is right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that there are other opportunities. But, um, but no, I think that it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what Stearns, because... We've been talking about the fact that, like, yeah, if he continues to have success, if he has success, it brings the Brewers to the playoffs this year, and he's got two back-to-back playoff situations, and he looks to next year, and he sees all of the different, like, problem s- scenarios that Steve was reeling off before. Does he, is he just basically, like, is he going to do the Derek Johnson thing and say, like, my stock's never going to get higher, I'm out? I mean, I, I don't know how much of an option he's going to have to do that. Like I said, contractually, I don't know. If he really has the ability to do that, well, I would say have some internal options. I would think that Boston would want him, though. Like I would Stearns. think Stearns, yes, I would think Boston, if they could get him, would take him. But I don't know that they can actually get. Who him. would want to go to Boston though, with the way they've treated some of their post Theo GM? Well, even the way they treated Theo when he was there. 
Let's say you can also trade for somebody too, though. Yeah, Boston's a weird one. And yeah, maybe if, if Boston really said, we want David Stearns, he is our guy, we will move heaven and earth. Maybe David Stearns says, I really like Matt Arnold and I think he could do a, you know, a very good job in the job as well. And so we would just promote from within and he would take, you know, a trade. I, I don't want that to happen. I, I don't think it's likely to happen, but you know, if depending on how much Boston Ryan likes really consistency. It, you like well, consistency. No, you know, you I, well, David Stearns is the man. Like David Stearns is really good at his job. I was gonna say, I think that um I, I think it's more than likely that David Stearns is here next year, but I think that if David Stearns wants to move, he can agitate enough for a move. He could he could try to force his way out of town. We've seen no real evidence. Like last year with the San Francisco situation, we didn't hear anything that he was trying to like. Well, didn't he just get, get married job. again? He did. Why yeah. would he just why? got married? He's probably, you know, looking to start a family. He's got to look at school districts. So as long as we can find a good school district for him to, but you know, you're also in. you're also in a situation where you're saying you could go to San Francisco, who's about to go in like some deep rebuild and going to need to like put whoever to, compared to like going to Boston a little better of a situation that i think comparing san francisco to boston is not 100 percent the same thing oh no 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 they're not the same thing. boston got what they needed out of dombrowski 100 you, you bring him in to be a wartime consigliere he makes the moves to get you the win in a season and then you bring somebody else in to actually run you know the the rebuild I don't think you pronounced that right, but yes, Dombrowski is the wartime consigliere. Consul, consigliere. 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 Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, he's in a hotel lobby and you go up to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no, Whatever. they did, but Dombrowski has now put them in a position where their farm system is bottom of the barrel, like worse than the Brewers. Their farm, they are. Uh, but that's what he does. But they're locked into a ton of contracts that maybe aren't going to be so great in a year or two. Good and thing they uh, phenomenal young players and a whole lot of money. They do, but they're also now they're looking at like they're probably going to be thirty, forty million dollars over the the luxury tax again. And in this day and age, like ownership just I don't think finds that acceptable. Ownership does not look at that as an okay thing to be that far over the luxury tax for those teams. We saw it in New York, we saw it in LA, we saw it in Chicago. Wow. Everybody's think, trying to keep themselves under that tax. I, I think you get a little bit of leeway, a if you could put together a team that wins a World Series, which he didn't. didn't. <laughs> he didn't get. Like that I leeway. said, you only have Dombrowski around though if you want to go win a World Series. If you're clearly in a position where you need to rebuild, you don't keep him around. He's not the guy for that. So, um, you know, whoever comes in is going to get a little bit of a cushion to be able to shed some payroll. Yeah, I was under. and also I, we have. We have a, a CBA negotiation about to happen. Yeah, it's going to get nasty on that front as well. So who knows what the, the baseball economic landscape is going to look like? Who knows what the United States economic landscape is going to look like? It's all just it's very up in the air right now. Who knows? Like, you know, we could be headed into a recession. We don't know. I don't know if you know this, but we're kind of Thelma and Louise right now. Let's just hold, let's hold hands and drive off a cliff and just hope for the best. <laughs> I would say inter- interesting tidbit, uh, but but number one, uh, first of all, not you know uh, recessions are normal, like and not all recessions like are the 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 bad like the the cratering we saw in two thousand eight. Um, 
But the other thing, too, I was looking just because I was like, hey, I wonder because, you know, I was like, Matt Arnold came from the Rays and I was like, if David Stearns ended up leaving, like who who do the Rays have? And would that be an option? And so uh, they have uh, Eric Neander didn't go to an Ivy League school, didn't go to an Ivy League school, didn't even go to Stanford. Did he, he go to, to Lawrence? He went to Vatek. Oh, <laughs> I thought this was going to be a Lawrence shout out. Oh, no. so so he knows baseball because Vatek, they play baseball there. Well, and he actually like right out of uh, Vatek, he went to go work for baseball, uh, baseball info solutions. Like and so he basically took a job with baseball info solutions, then went to go work for the analytics department for the Rays and basically just worked his way up, every, you know, over the past like what's what the path? Hold on. Did he go to baseball info solutions? What's, or you, like, crazy, what's crazy is that's that's the new janitor worked his way up. Yeah, like that's that's what it is. You know, it used to be you could be a, you could start as a, a janitor in the mailroom of a company and work your way up. I think there's those are two different things, but okay. Point being, you could start with a low level position with little education to work your way up in a, a company. Now it's you would go to Virginia yeah, Tech. Steve, I did see the secret of my success too. <laughs> I have no idea what that is, but okay. the Michael J. Fox movie about him climbing the corporate ladder in the 1980s. It's oh, fantastic. I think I saw a part of Doc Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Doc Hollywood is also a Michael J. Fox movie from the late 80s that is also uh, really, really mediocre to awful. Uh, I haven't watched any of those in a while, but I'm guessing there's something pretty rapey in it. And and yeah. and David Stearns did not uh, go work for Baseball Info Solutions. He actually interned with the Pirates, I think, while he was still at Harvard and then went to he actually cut his he was teeth. at MLB, right? Yeah, he was working on their. Uh, he was basically working on their like CBA stuff. Well, working Wait, for the Pirates is starting at the bottom. You could work for you could work for the Marlins. <laughs> I don't think that's it, below the bottom. That's like <laughs> that's underground somewhere. I don't know if you know this, but Miami's going to be underwater here in a couple of years. So yeah, that's way under. So, uh, anyways, uh, we got a question from Josh Semro. Uh, he asked, right now the Brewers are minus twelve in run differential with eight games remaining. Will they finish the year in the black? Look, if they got more games against the Pirates, anything's possible. I was going to say, they may be in the black before anybody listens to this. I would say, <laughs> do we do the the math on that after the Friday night game? This is post that. Yeah, it this is. is okay. okay. I was yeah. just making sure. Eight games remaining is what they yep. have when we're recording right now. I, I'm just making sure. Yeah. Okay. So that was after a 10 to 1 win. They're still minus eight. Mm-hmm. But it is those situations right minus now. Minus 12. They, minus 12 with eight they, games. You're saying eight games remaining. I think, I don't know, depending on what the Cubs do this weekend, obviously, but you would think that the Brewers probably need four or five wins in their last eight. And if they do that, unless they're winning by one or two runs pretty much every time or they suffer a blowout, it's pretty likely that they're going to be in the black. I don't know. I don't know if you've watched the Brewers this year, but it's pretty much a one <laughs> or two one run win or a blowout loss. They did. They do still have two games against the Pirates. <laughs> they do. Well, and then, and, and then and, the Cincinnati Reds. And no, the no, no, no. The, the Reds are going to be awful because Suarez is going to hit like he's well, going to he's probably going to push close to 60 home runs because they get the Rockies, though. They yeah. may score 20 runs in a game in Colorado. So, well, yeah, but they're going to win 20 to 15 or something. Yeah, maybe the Rocky, the Rockies uh, team ERA in September is like six and a half. Well, we yeah. got that to look forward to. <laughs> 
So those games are going to be, I don't know what, like five and a half hours long. I am rooting for, I think we talked about this last five and a half hour games. No, I'm rooting for them to finish with a negative run differential. I am too. I I would like to see that even if it's just like negative one, just to have that be the thing. I would like it to be. I'm not because then I think that sets a marker then for everyone to say like, yeah, oh, look, the Brewers did it. They could do it again. But there are always those teams that are able to basically win with the you know, run differential that doesn't quite support it. The Orioles went through a run there for a little bit. The White Sox are the famous one in the, the mid-aughts. Yeah, yeah, the White Sox have done it. I mean, run differential, it's it's good as a broad stat to kind of look at to see how good a team is overall and, and you know, where we'd expect the records to sit. But I think teams have shown that it goes deeper than just what the run differ- differential well, is. Because teams are more willing to punt games at this point and <laughs> Yeah, the Brewers definitely do. Oh, yeah. I mean, Craig Council, that's how he manages. And I, it's not an accident. That's why they've racked up some of these. Yeah, when they, they lose, when they lose, in, we get to see Jimmy Nelson in, in long stints. Or Hernan Perez, you know? Well, yeah. Um, but did we talk say, about, by the way, did we talk about the Corbin Burns cutter? We, we did not. Yet. We did not. We need to, though. Speaking of guys who could come in and blowouts, but all of a sudden, Ryan, his, his, his out to, er, outlook on uh, Corbin Burns. Oh, it's through the roof, baby. Man, Cor- buy those shares. Buy those shares of Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns is the new Corey Ray. I'm going all uh, Jim Cramer on this one. Like, bye, bye, bye. You're Jim Cramer in Arrested Development. Did you <laughs> Did you see this, JP? The the picture of Corbin Burns, 96 mile an hour. Oh, it was an animated GIF. It was not just a picture. Oh, it was an animated GIF, yeah. Did you see this? Uh, No, but he's always had a cutter, so, you know. But... Really? Did it always go? Did he always throw at 96 miles an hour and look awesome in a gift? No, it was usually, no, no, it was usually like 90, 91. Okay, because this was 96 and that ball was wiggling. It was really diving. It was a right handed batter and it was moving from uh, right to left. They should overlay it with like eight other pitches and then we can watch how all the pitches have different locations and marvel at it. I believe it. there's a Twitter account for that, Pitching Ninja. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say you Darvish. Well, no. uh, I was going to say my favorite is like when because pitcher because pitching ninja pitching ninja is great, but at the same time, like all this stuff where they're like, look at this nasty movement. I was like, yeah, because he yanked the crap out of it. Like no one, yeah. There's a reason that it just like broke off the table for it because he just yanked it. Like I will say, I was referencing the Darvish gif, uh, which the the amazing thing about the you Darvish one, where it is nope. like six or eight different pitches, incredible. Is, Yes, because the release point is the same for all of them. Oh, yeah. This is the column of milk, right? The idea that you're it's pitch tunneling, so you're trying to get a pitch to look like the same pitch as long as possible. And There's it a, starts out the well, same, I think and pitch then they tunneling, all go. Pitch tunneling is a little different, but this was just the, the delivery. He's able to repeat his delivery for all there, of these. There's an incredible gift that they actually made of Johnny Cueto this year that's a little bit like that one, but to show him, because, you know, he does so many different windups, he can do kind of he can do the slide step he can do the one where he like kind of turns around and pauses mid uh uh kind of mid wind up and then just like varies himself so much and so they overlaid a bunch of those together and they were like watch when it all syncs up and it's right at his delivery point that every single one of them is the exact same which is just yeah yeah and we talked about that I, i mean i think we brought this up you know a year ago probably talking about like chris sale is that way he was he was a guy that everybody looked at uh, with his delivery and thought, well, you know, there's too much motion. It's crazy how he twists and turns and everything like that. But once he got into that delivery portion, 
where it was, you know, where is he releasing the ball? He was able to do it, you know, very consistently. So, I mean, Cueto is a good example. Hey, maybe it's going to be a little weird. Right? Sure. Yes. Bring, occasionally, it's fun to see that. Oh, it's I love watching it. It's just, and it's one of those things that just, like, absolutely gives hitters fits, too. Yeah, we, you, we like to think everything needs to be mechanical, but, yeah. but sometimes a little weirdness throws people off, too. Yeah, 100%. And the reason that more people don't do it isn't because it's not effective. They don't do it because they can't actually repeat it. If you can repeat it and be weird, go for it all day. Well, it's that's just, the Brett Suter mantra right there. Like, it's be weird. Well, in terms of like delivery, hiding the ball, that sort of thing. Oh, no. It, well, and he also is weird and it's always fun. And his Raptor delivery. <laughs> He's a, um, but it, it'll be really interesting to see what ends up happening with with Corbin Burns next year if they're going to try to I imagine they're going to try him as a starter again I you have to it seems like there's too much untapped potential if you can get him to to be a starting pitcher and like it's not and to me like his issues aren't like second time through the rotation or anything like that it was just he was having issues right away and so to me it's not like moving him to the bullpen suddenly solves anything that he was having issues with as a starter so I think you you probably give him a shot to be a starter again. Oh, I think they definitely at least stretch him out in spring training and give themselves that option. But for like, sure. but like Freddie Peralta bullpen guy now. Um, I'm not sold on that long term that it has to be that way, but I think it's trending pretty heavily in that direction. I would I would say he's more likely to be a reliever uh, two years from now than Burns is. I won't sit on the fence. Yeah, Freddie's a relief pitcher at this point. I think let him go I high think- velocity. I think if you look at next year, I think his stuff is so much better as a reliever. I think that's what they got to do. And then you're potentially using him the way that they used Tater for multiple innings at a time with extended rest. I d- has he shown that he needs extended rest? I don't know if we really understand yes. what he looks There has been. I've, I've seen that on Twitter. People have talked about when oh, he no, has but this, extended rest, he does better. Yeah, but this year, he's he wasn't like preparing to be a reliever this year. They just kind of like shoved him in at midseason and said, here you go. Now this is going to be your role. I don't necessarily know. We know that that's what's going to be next year. I yeah, mean, I think the Brewers, the Brewers are showing that if if you have a pass as a starting pitcher, when you get up to the major leagues, if you turn into a relief pitcher, you're going to pitch multiple innings. Yeah, I think so. But I don't necessarily know that means he needs extended rest. He just might not. No, I They'll want him to go like every other day or whatever. But I also don't think he's somebody that couldn't necessarily go like two innings and then like go one inning the next day and then take a couple of days off. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And again, I think it's it's a matter of what are his mechanics and then, you know, what's his velocity? Like make sure that stuff is is relatively consistent and you're kind of grading him on Well, that. and it track his effectiveness and see what he does on shorter rest versus longer rest and see how that all works out. But again, I think a lot of that goes back to is, uh, you know, do his mechanics fall apart? Because again, Freddie's got kind of shaking right. mechanics. But but the key, the key point to that, though, is that you then need to actually pitch him on short rest. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to track it. It's true. It's true. They do need to test that out a little bit and see what that looks like. But that's not a thing you do in September in a pennant race. You, no, of course not. Of, of course not. There's yeah, no need is, for it. Yeah, this is all looking towards next year. But I also will say, as inconsistent as he has been and as phenomenal as he looks at times, uh, September he's been great. Yeah, he had a rough stretch there, what, coming just into September? Yes. He gave up some runs, yeah. 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 In well, Now in September, he's gone 8.2 innings. He has a he has a 208 ERA. His... FIP is negative, which is always fun. Wow. 
<laughs> you don't see that very often. He should get runs but, back. Yeah, he's <laughs> right. He's striking out almost 19 batters per nine, and uh, his his walk rate is down near two per nine. So he's been he's been a FIP darling thus far, and overall has been been good. So I mean, missing bats is yeah, like he Pomerantz Hater, they're all doing it. It's you know it's been really effective. It's a yeah, good way. I mean, Jay Jackson's been able to miss it. The problem is, is he's like, you know, walking almost eight per nine, which is not ideal. He's yeah, I don't think we'll see though. him. If you look at his early, hold on. Jay Jackson's numbers. Take no, a look I mean, at his, his I mean, early numbers I mean, versus late numbers. He's been better. I mean, literally just September is what I'm talking about. He's eight per nine in September? Yeah. Achi machi. All right. Well, never mind. Well, that's what back I back off that? I'm backing right off it. Beep, beep, beep. I'm backing up. No, I mean, that doesn't mean he can't still be effective. I mean, he's still been fine. He's not somebody you want in a high leverage situation, but he's he's somebody who's shown ability to miss bats and sh- probably don't want him to be one of your you know top four relievers if you need to go into a high leverage situation. But he's proven to be useful, and he's still got, you know, he's still got the phenomenal logo, which I don't think that we talk about enough. <laughs> you can't talk about that enough. We that's all need personal logos. One of my favorites. I think that's the thing that everybody should have. Instead of signatures, we should all have a personal logo. We slap on everything. You just have like a stamp and you just put your stamp on it. Yeah. <laughs> make my mark. I, I <laughs> make my mark. Just, just be like the giant shrug emoji would be mine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we should probably get out of here so you don't get in trouble. Oh, God. My wife's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> you have no idea. Whatever. She's going to get like, I don't know, four hours just to do whatever she wants when we're at the game tomorrow. That is true. That is true. Yes. I'll make so. sure make sure Lucas is good and tired with uh Oh, we'll all, take him all out the games we'll out in right field. You know, they got monitors around so you can watch the game while it's going on. Yep. It's just like a I don't know, five second delay. No, it'll be it'll be legit a great time though. Be we'll run that is. child. It's run like him. it's super cool that he's getting into it though. We we did. We uh we did a, a game earlier. What was it? August? Well, I think I was I missed that week. We it did was a game with a game. friends. I wasn't there, there, there were there were there were four of us. We all brought our I think yeah, all, it was all the boys son. Yeah, all the boys are six. We all went and basically that's what it was. And they did a good job sitting there for, you know, we did a good three innings. Then we went down and did all the the games and stuff in the right in right field. Then we went back up and I think it was late in the eighth inning. We got almost through the entire game. And Dude, it, that it, was a game that dragged too. I remember yes. thinking during the game, I'm like, there's no way they've made it to this point. We did. We made it almost through the entire thing. I think the Brewers had an opportunity in the eighth that they blew. And then we were like, okay, let's beat the the crowd out because we shuttled in. Oh, okay. So, so getting a bunch of six year olds back on a shuttle, we we're like, hey, uh, let's uh, get out there and beat the crowd a little bit on this one. Yeah, I'm shuttling in tonight too. So that's the way to do it. It is the way to do it. All it takes is a drink. You need one drink, and they give you a pass to get on the shuttle. It is. It is very nice that way. Yeah, especially when you're taking the shuttle all the way from downtown. That's fantastic because then it's like, yeah, I'm not paying for parking. I'm not having to deal with like traffic in and out at all. It's just they take. Well, especially since parking the day of, if you didn't plan it ahead of time, so like I don't know, twenty five bucks on a weekend. It's ridiculous. Yeah, this is Milwaukee. We don't pay for parking. No, but there are places to park where you don't have to pay near the park. Sure. Yeah. Well, and we went to the game last summer where we took the shuttle in, right? And I and I don't normally take the shuttle in, but we went on it, and you know. Like, I don't understand. The shuttle's great. I had, like, a woman sit next to me because I was like, I don't know the 
you know, everyone was singing Johnny Cash, Ring of Fire. I was like, I don't know the lyrics. And she was like, you're not an American. I was like, this is weird. Um, <laughs> you're like, well, let me tell you about the uh, early 20th century. And, we had, and and then we had everybody on the uh, everybody. Was it like lining up for the the shuttle to, thinking that Ryan was the reliever? If I, what was it? Mike, <laughs> Mike, Zagurski. Mike Zagurski. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did. We did mess with people. If you, if you think you see Mike Zagurski at Miller Park. That's Ryan. That, that is actually. Me. I can guarantee you that's Ryan. Well, no, because we we like mentioned it, and they were like, "Oh man, he totally does look like him." It, it just, really. I thought. I I kid you not. I think we mentioned this on the pod before, but I saw the picture, and I'm like, "Why was I sitting in the Brewers dugout?" I thought for a second when I first glanced that it was me. So, like to be fair, yeah, he really does. I am his doppelganger. He's mine. Yeah. It's good time. He's not the major leagues anymore, so he's my doppelganger. There you, you go. Do you think, last last question, I know we got to get out of here, but do you think Mike Zagurski or Kevin Mench had a bigger hat size? <laughs> I have the biggest head of all. Yeah, I can't. I can't I, I'm not an impartial observer of this because Ryan's sitting across from me, and I'm like, no, that's the biggest head I've ever seen. I mean, I, I apparently do have a smaller head than Bochi. So Bochi's, I'm not kidding. Bochi's apparently like, he's like an eight and a half or something. It's but I think, something ridiculous. But he looks like a normal sized person. He doesn't look like, you know, a bulbous head. He doesn't look like a, cra- a cabbage no, patch kid. But he he has the giant head, which is what makes him such a great manager because there's so much brain power in there. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's, that's exactly what it is. Madison, go throw a complete game for me every other game in the <laughs> playoffs. Finish this game. Yeah. Okay, Skip. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it was. Well, it was, yeah. And then uh, what's his name with his googly eyes would get a couple key hits. Um, Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence. <laughs> Bucci, Bochi does not look like he has a huge head. No, no, no. He no does. It's not it's like Ryan. Mine. It is bigger than mine. Like I said, Ryan, we use it, we we put him in the middle of a general admission concert, and that way we know where our spot is. <laughs> Your brother was actually using me for that purpose. <laughs> He's not the only one. <laughs> Like I said, when, it's the combination of height and large head size. Yeah, when my wife's gone with us too, she's she knows that's how she finds her way back if we're at a show. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. We all have we all have our skill sets, man. It's good to be needed for something. Well, and what's nice being friends with somebody with a big head like that is I can be the guy just in front of him instead of the guy just behind him. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, because like I don't bring anything to the table going to a concert. So no, you blend in. Yeah, I blend in. I don't like... He wouldn't blend in at, a, at the shows we go to, though. He'd look but very formal. What are you talking about? JP's but got I, oh, what, beard, gla- yeah. glasses and a, a kind of a trimmed beard going on. Yeah, no, he'd totally blend in. But I will say, I do bring... Because like, it is great for all of my friends, too, You know, in, in graduate school or whatever. Like, I'm always a designated driver, Like, no matter what. It's like anybody knows that if we go anywhere, everybody can take because I'll be able to drive everyone home. So I can, I can bring that to the table, which is like the most boring thing. That might be the most valuable thing. So on that note, uh, don't forget, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash MKE tailgate patrons at the ball and glove level. Receive the monthly minor league extra podcast and the reporting is eligible uh, Packers preview. Check out reporting is eligible as well. Uh, it's Paul, JR and Matub. I can give my personal endorsement to it now since I binged it to get caught up. That's great. That part of our network, you're just catching up on it. It took me a little while. I, I'm sorry. I, I was a bad uh, member of the, the group for not catching up on that. But it is really, really good. It so. is. They all bring a lot. Uh, JR's been doing his, like, he comes up with numbers every week. 
mm-hmm. and then they yeah. have a list that they go through. I think last week it was four, something like that. I missed this last week's episode, so you got to catch up on it. Yeah. So, anyways, will, they got a little shtick. They got a shtick going. They do have I a will, shtick. I apologize for this, but I am now interested. And so, apparently, when Bruce Bochy joined the Mets in 1982, they didn't have a helmet he could put on his head. So they ended up like needing to then like not be able to play him on the first day and needed to go and get a helmet from the miners that he was using. So he didn't even like basically had the wrong logo on it and they needed to solve that problem before he could go on. I remember a very sad moment when I was a child when I won a hat. It was a Z104 hat for those of you who are in Madison. Steve's laughing. It's good. <laughs> so was Johnny it, Danger doing the yes, morning show? I, it was definitely then. So oh, it was. Almighty. So was it was Vicky McKenna on there too. No, no, no. Actually, it was before that. It was uh, who was it? Ralphie, Ralphie, the uh, whatever. Anyway, I don't remember all So I won a hat from Z104, and I tried to put it on, and it didn't fit. <laughs> it did not fit my head. It was so you small. had the the, the snap. Had, the snap. I, the snap goes all the way to the last one, so it's just hanging there by one little snap. And it still didn't fit, and I was very sad because oh, I won that, this thing. And then that poor big-headed child. So. I, I was. Uh, if you have an extra-large hat, please send it to Ryan Top. You can email us at milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com if you need a mailing address, uh, or you can contact us through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate. Uh, actually, it's MKE Tailgate Podcast Network is what you should actually look for. And I think the uh, Facebook page is just MKE Tailgate. Mm-hmm. So. All that fun stuff that I think I've updated, but, you know, I'm never quite sure. So just, you know, look it up. It should be able to come up in the search. So anyways, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Leave reviews. I enjoy the reviews. So please, we're in playoff time. If we're not up to your playoff standards, leave a review. Let us know. But give us five stars when you do it. Uh, so people can find the podcast. So thanks for listening. Look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.